This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome back to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm Lavora Barnes. The word this week? Hope. Robert Kennedy famously said, Some men see things as they are and say why. I dream of things that never were and say why not. Every era has its challenges, its turmoil, and its potential. What gives me hope are the many thousands of people across Michigan who give of themselves, everyday people who are devoted to dream of things that never were and say, why not? As we pause to celebrate the holidays, I think about them and give thanks. The people who stand for local elective public office, jobs that combined endless hours of work, little recognition, and low or no pay. The people who become precinct delegates, the grassroots base for true democracy. The thousands who gather petition signatures as part of our direct democracy. The journalists whose mission it is to keep us informed of both the good and the not so good in government. And for me personally, the terrific team who are your Michigan Democratic Party. I'm out front as your chair, but it's our team that makes it work. It isn't always easy, but that doesn't mean we stop trying. Dr. King may have said it best. We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. One of the newest victories for us that has been years in the making, a new state law which will provide some protections for victims of domestic violence. In a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by the sponsor of a package of laws taking deadly weapons out of the hands of domestic abusers. But first, an update on the political and policy news this week that has a direct impact on Michigan with MDP's Dorian Tice. In the news this week, Governor Whitmer has signed two more major legislative packages as the 2023 legislative session comes to a close. The Reproductive Health Care Act removes dangerous restrictions on reproductive freedom that hurt marginalized communities and obstruct access to abortion for Michiganders. Many key Republican representatives, including Minority Leader Matt Hall, betrayed their districts by voting against RHA when voters in their districts expressed support for reproductive freedom. House Speaker Pro Tem Lori Pohutsky called the enactment of the RHA, quote, another historic day for reproductive freedom here in Michigan. Also signed legislation prohibiting convicted domestic abusers from owning firearms for eight years. We'll have more on this bill in a moment when sponsor Senator Stephanie Chang joins the podcast. Holton Township in Muskegon County has voted to declare itself a Second Amendment sanctuary and went one step further than the 50-plus Michigan communities and counties that have passed similar resolutions. The township of about 2,500 residents also passed a resolution to create a militia and refused to enforce any gun restriction law passed after 2021. Holton Supervisor Alan Jager says the overwhelming majority of township residents support the move because they fear their rights are slipping away, especially after Michigan adopted a red flag law that allows judges to seize weapons of those deemed a danger to themselves or others. Governor Whitmer has issued a call for special elections to fill two vacancies created when Democratic House members Lori Stone and Kevin Coleman were elected mayors of Warren and Westland. The primary is set for January 30th and the general election for April 16th. 
until those vacancies are filled, the state house is evenly divided with 54 Democrats and 54 Republicans. Under the House rules, Representative Joe Tate will remain Speaker of the House, and Democrats will continue to chair House committees. Attorney General Nessel is launching a new consumer protection website and holiday campaign to help protect Michigan residents from common consumer scams during the winter holiday season. The new standalone website makes it easier than ever for Michigan residents to access common scam alerts, research charities, learn about renters' rights, and more. The website is at www.michigan.gov slash consumer protection. There is more good news for bringing jobs into Michigan. The state climbed eight spots, up to number 12, in Site Selection Magazine's list of top state business climate rankings. The ranking takes several factors into account. Weighting ease of permitting, workforce skills, and land building prices and supply as the top three factors. Earlier this year, Michigan was ranked as a top 10 state for doing business by CNBC. Democrats continue to push for green energy innovations that both attack climate change and create new opportunities for high-paying jobs. Michigan will join the ranks of U.S. states with required energy storage goals when this year's clean energy legislation takes effect early next year. Among the various clean energy benchmarks in the bill package is for at least 2,500 megawatts of energy storage plans to be on the books before 2030 arrives. All state-regulated utilities must submit energy storage plans by then to the Michigan Public Service Commission for its share of the statewide goal. Michigan will become the first state in the Midwest to establish an energy storage standard. Ten states already set power storage goals, but only New York and New Jersey set more ambitious benchmarks than Michigan's new target. Four prominent Genesee County Democrats have announced they will not run to replace the retiring Dan Kildee in the U.S. House of Representatives. Taking their names out of consideration are Genesee County Sheriff Chris Swanson, State Senator John Cherry of Flint, former State Senator Jim Ananick of Flint, and Genesee County Clerk Register Dominique Clemens. Democrats who have expressed interest in the congressional seat, or who insiders have said could run, include State Senator Kristen McDonald Rivet of Bay City, Flint Mayor Sheldon Neely, Democratic State Board of Education President Pamela Pugh, who is months into a campaign for U.S. Senate, and Kildee Chief of Staff Mitchell Rivard. Republican U.S. Senate candidate Peter Meyer, who voted to impeach Donald Trump and called Trump unfit for office, now says he would vote to elect Trump president next year. In an interview with Politico magazine, Meyer said he'll now support whomever the 2024 GOP nominee is. Amid little doubt, it's likely to be Trump. Meyer says his overarching goal is to make Joe Biden a one-term president. Bridge magazine reports that a GOP activist leading a new push to oust Michigan Republican Party chair Christina Caramo claims internal critics have enough votes to remove her by the end of the year setting the stage for a dramatic December showdown. Warren Carpenter, former chair of the Michigan GOP's 9th Congressional District, told Bridge reporter Jonathan Osting, we're trying to have this wrapped up prior to Christmas. 
Carpenter said he initially supported Karamo, but has since soured on her. Links to these stories and other articles of interest are on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyus. Thank you, Dorian. One of the last bills from the 2023 legislative session to be signed into law by Governor Whitmer was legislation prohibiting persons convicted of domestic abuse from owning firearms for eight years. It passed the legislature with bipartisan support under the leadership in the state Senate of Detroit Senator Stephanie Chang. For her, it was a five-year battle that had been stalled by Republican legislatures. Senator Chang talked with our Walt Sorg. Senator Chang, first a happy Thanksgiving, and thank you for joining us on this holiday weekend on the podcast. Good to see you again. Great to see you, and happy Thanksgiving. You have been working literally for years to provide added protections for victims of domestic abuse, and just a few days ago, it finally came to fruition with the governor's signature on your bills. Exactly how does this provide added protections for the victims of domestic abuse? Yeah, no, thank you. It's, it's an exciting week <clears throat> to see these bills finally signed into law, um, worked on this issue for over five years. Um, and basically what these bills do is ensure that folks who are convicted of misdemeanor domestic violence would be prohibited from having a gun, purchasing a gun, transporting a gun uh, for a period of about eight years, of eight years, <clears throat> uh, which is a very reasonable length of time. This helps Michigan to mirror federal law and will help to protect domestic violence survivors from firearm injury and death. Uh, we know that five times, women are five times more likely to be murdered by an abusive partner when the abuser has access to a gun. So by simply removing the gun from the situation for a period of eight years um, from their abuser, uh, we know that we will save lives. Uh, 31 other states already have laws like this. So now uh, Michigan has become the 32nd, which is very exciting. You mentioned that it mirrors federal law. It, this is already enforceable in Michigan, uh, but until your bill passed, it was only enforceable by federal officials. So now local officials can enforce. That's absolutely right. And we heard really uh, loud and clear from law enforcement uh, officials that, you know, this is just how important uh, it is that we have passed these bills. Um, you know, I think a lot about the conversations that I had with uh, Trooper Drosty at the Michigan State Police, who has worked on domestic violence for a long, long time, and how, you know, in her role, she was never able to uh, make sure that a, an abuser who was convicted of misdemeanor domestic violence uh, wouldn't have access to a gun. But now they will have that tool. Um, so this is really, really powerful. Um, I'm really grateful to, you know, state police, prosecutor worthy, many, many others, gun violence groups, domestic violence groups, a lot of folks worked really, really hard on this issue for a long time. So it's a huge step forward for Michigan. Another group that benefits from this, it wasn't publicized a lot, uh, but it's first responders, law enforcement. Domestic abuse calls are amongst the most dangerous for law enforcement. A lot of officers get shot, are threatened, or in some cases even killed by domestic abusers in a rage. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, we definitely think that, um, you know, folks who are 
perpetrators in a domestic violence situation uh, are capable of some serious harm, um, both for the individual that is unfortunately a victim or survivor of that situation, uh, but also others around them. Um, and so you're absolutely right that we can help to promote safety for everyone, including first respo- responders, um, including, of course, the victim um, and and many others. So we're very, very hopeful that this legislation will make a big impact. We believe that it will because we know uh, that we've seen this positive impact in other states that had passed these laws prior to us. So, you know, when you think about the fact that nearly half of all women murdered in the U.S. are killed by a current or former intimate partner, uh, and more than half of those are by firearm, uh, it's just going to make a drastic, drastic difference. So we're, we're really uh, grateful to Governor Whitmer for signing these bills. Uh, really proud of the bipartisan support that we had with both Democratic and Republican votes in both chambers and uh, really looking forward to seeing these go into effect and seeing the impact. This is the latest in a series of gun safety laws that have been enacted by this legislature. You have the red flag law, you have the safe storage law, and also universal background checks. Do you see more gun safety laws going through the legislature in 2024? You know, that remains to be seen. I know that obviously, you know, there's a lot more that we can do. Um, So I know that the Gun Violence Prevention Caucus, as well as, you know, just a lot of folks who are um, continuing their advocacy, um, do have some ideas. Um, Hopefully, uh, we can use this next month or so to do some planning and figuring out what is it that uh, we can do in 2024. Um, But there definitely is a whole host of other legislation that has been introduced in the past, um, like addressing ghost guns or giving local governments an ability to address gun violence uh, and many others. So um, lots of things that we can consider um, and hopefully we can take some time and, and really identify what are the priorities for 2024, uh, because it's clear that Michiganders would like us to do as much as we possibly can uh, to prevent gun violence in Michigan. There are some counties that are pushing back against your law and declaring that they're simply not going to enforce it. What can be done about that to protect people in those counties? Well, you know, we obviously we have many law enforcement officials across the state. We also have uh, Attorney General Dana Nessel, who is a strong supporter of this legislation, and I know uh, feels very passionately about it and will do everything that she can to make sure that it is enforced. Uh, so I'm looking forward to you know her continued leadership on this. Um, and I also think that, um, you know, when we've got domestic violence groups across the state continuing to talk about how important this is. I'm hopeful that that will uh, make some impact on um, any detractors, you know, from from this. But I do think that, again, this is something that has so much support um, and that there are many law enforcement officials who are supportive of this because they know of the public safety impact that it will have. Uh, So we will continue to move forward. This is not a big city problem. This is a problem, period. Uh, It doesn't matter where you live. It's just the the population density means there are going to be more incidents in Metro Detroit than there are in a rural county. But on a per capita basis, it's pretty much the same everywhere, isn't it? You know, domestic violence is something that happens everywhere. Um, It is unfortunately far too common. Um, And... um, 
So you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter if you're in a suburb, a city, or a rural area. Domestic violence happens um, in all settings, um, all types of geographic settings, rather. And so um, it is absolutely something that we um, need to continue to address statewide. Um, I'm grateful that you know we had so many folks across this entire state speak out um, in support of this legislation. Um, and you know we also had lawmakers from every corner of the state uh, supporting this. Um, you know my partners in the legislature, Amos O'Neill and Sue Shink, uh, from two different parts of the state for me. And um, you know we had um, you know folks come and testify, people writing in, and uh, obviously you know folks like Moms Demand Action from all over the state really prioritizing this. And I think that speaks to the recognition of how uh, this is something that doesn't just affect one population or another, but unfortunately domestic violence is is common and it is something that uh, happens in all uh, ge geographies. I'm gonna call an audible on you, something that we had discussed that we were gonna discuss, but I know it's certainly something that you are critically interested in. The governor also signed the Reproductive Health Care Act uh, this last week, something that you worked very hard for. I suspect this is also a source of great gratification for you. Yes, um, it's a good week. It's a good week. On Tuesday, the governor signed the parts of the Reproductive Health Act into law, and it was a really good day. There was a lot of great energy in that room at the bill signing, um, and I think that you know a lot of the comments from uh, folks who spoke were really thanking Michigan voters for expressing uh, loud and clear last November. Uh, their support for reproductive freedom. And, you know, it's up to us as the legislature to continue to act. And, you know, we did act this past uh, fall on the Reproductive Health Act by removing, you know, medically unnecessary, totally unscientific barriers uh, to abortion, which is healthcare, and um, really doing uh, as much as we can in this moment to ensure that um, the decisions about reproductive health care are made solely between that person and their doctor, uh, no one else. And so uh, I'm very grateful. This has been, this is another example of legislation that has been a long time coming. Um, you know, many, many lawmakers have introduced these bills over many years. I want to give a shout out to Christy Pagan, uh, former state rep, who was the very first person who uh, introduced and did a lot of work on the Reproductive Health Act. Um, and, you know, obviously the situation has evolved over many years, but I think that we see in Michigan and across this whole country that uh, folks really want to see reproductive health care um, be something that is between that person and their doctor and is something that voters support across the country. Senator Chang, thank you so much. A happy Thanksgiving to you. And thank you so much for your work on both of these issues for the betterment of the people of Michigan. Have a great holiday season. Thank you so much. You too. That's our report for this week. As we enter the holiday season, the entire staff of the Michigan Democratic Party wishes you and yours nothing but joy for the holidays. I'm Lavora Barnes. We appreciate the gift of your time to listen to our weekly updates. We'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Paid for by the Michigan Democratic Party, 606 Townsend, Lansing, Michigan, 48933.